You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too comes from the green dragon. Gilgalad was the high king of the elves and mightiest warrior of his age. During the last alliance of men and elves, Gilgalad fought on every battlefield. His bravery and leadership brought inspiration and hope in those dark days. Under his leadership, the last alliance confronted Sauron and overthrew him at the Battle of Dagorlad. Tragically, Gilgalad was slain on the slopes of Orodruin as he fought against Sauron and did not live to see Sauron defeated. Without him, the last alliance quickly fell apart. Elves and men all but abandoning the unity that had made victory possible. Worse, although Sauron's power was diminished, he was not destroyed, and in the following centuries, he arose to power once more. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me today, David. Greetings. Kylie. Hey. And Jeremy. Hello, Matt. Hello! Hello! Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me is Matt. (laughs) I knew one day I'd get made fun of. I don't care. I love doing it. So, we're talking about today, as you heard from that stunning intro from David, Gilgalad, the King of the High Elves. We're going to kick it off with David talking a little bit about his profile. His profile is, to be honest, it's fairly sturdy. This is one of the best fighters we have in the game. He has a fight value of 9, believe it or not. He is up there with the Dark Lord himself, second only to the Balrog. Shoot 3+, plus, strength 4, defense 7, attack 3, wound 3, courage 7, 3 might, 3 will, and only 1 fate. He is a beast of an elf, is he not, Kylie? He's pretty buff, yes. Yeah. And uh, what about his special rules there, David? Special rules? He has 3 special rules and a special piece of war gear. Terra, woodland creature, fairly standard on an elf of his power as well as the High King of the Elves. The range of Gilgalad's standfast is 12 inches. And as we just said, with a courage of 7, ooh, he's passing all those standfasts for everybody. Not to mention the 3 points of will. Yeah, 3 points of will, so he's passing very easily. So, look, you just look straight at that profile and you go, what an absolute beast. He's taken out enemy heroes, he's knocking out troops, he's not losing fights to anyone without a heroic strike or some kind of uh, fight value modifier like a transfix or a bat swarm or something like that. In fact, even then, he's usually beating a lot of other models in the game, even with having his fight value halved. Yeah, under transfix, he goes to fight five. Under a bat swarm, he's fight four. That's still pretty high. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best thing about him. Wouldn't you agree? No, I think the best thing about him is the second part of his rules, the bit that doesn't come under a special rule. Ah. special equipment. Gilgalad has heavy armor, and he has air gloss. Aegloss does not follow the normal rules for a spear, but instead gives him plus one to wound. Ah, uh, that wasn't the thing I was referring to. No? You've got something else? Yes. Okay, I'll keep reading. Keep reading. Options. There we Shield. go. Shield. Five plus. Keep going. If your army includes Gilgalad, you can upgrade any number of high elf warriors to King's Guard at the cost of one point per model. King's Guard have fight value six, and they hit on threes. And there we go. There it is. I actually thought you were maybe going towards something different there, which is the armoured horse that is also available to get in the uh, FAQs. So if you did not realise that, in the FAQs, he does have the option for an armoured horse. He gets better every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, what can we say about Gilgalad? Like, okay, 
There's the fact that he is fight value nine, so he's beating basically everybody, which is fantastic. He's got that big beefy stat line, so he's winning fights with his high attacks. He's surviving with his high defense and wounds when he's getting hit, and he's taking stuff out with his plus one from Agos. So all round, he's a combat beast. Yes, agreed. Absolutely agree. Look, that fight nine is really not to be underestimated because what it means is even if people spend some resources to try and strike up, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to reach you there. He can go in and he can do some monster hunting with his with his pluses to wound and strength four. He can do a bit of everything for for you. And now with the, the armored horse option, you can use him as a real beat stick. How much points does he come in for all that? 140 plus shield plus armored horse. So, so we're like 160 or so? 160 with everything. Max. Yep. That's pretty damn good. That's, That's really for, for good. fight nine, and you've got a good pro. No weakness in that profile except for the fate. But even then, you're still sitting at defense seven to back you up. To defense wounds. eight if you've got the shield. Defense eight if you've got the shield. Plus, the thing I love about it the most is if you take the fight six option on your generic high elves, and then suddenly he gets transfixed, and you've got a spear support in here. He still fight six, which is oh, yeah. extraordinarily obnoxious. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I I don't think you can underestimate how good fight is. Fight to get fight in your army across the board at fight six means that even Corsair Reavers and those other armies are behind you. So you're gonna be in a fantastic position. It means that heroes have to work incredibly hard to get you. It means that some of the new monster options, the ogres for example, are gonna bounce off the fight six quite well. There's, there's heaps of options there, and to have him at fight nine means that you can pretty much point him at anyone in the opponent's army. Almost, almost anyone, like not maybe even a Balrog or something like that, and just say, well, let's have a go at it. Let's have a look at it and see what we can do for it because he's he's good. He's really good. At the worst, you're going to flush out some might points, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. Mm. Because fight six, fight seven on a hero is not what it used to be because your average captain can strike up. Your average captain has a lot of trouble equaling fight nine. They've got to start rolling, you know, fives yes. on their D6 yep. Yep. to even tie you. They've got to come up with a six. To hope to get in front. Not to mention the fact that even those generic, like, mid or upper to mid range heroes, and you know, you usually clock out around fight five, fight six. Suddenly, when you're hitting a elven warrior with fight six and elven blade, suddenly it gets really, really frustrating, Ooh. even just to get through basic troops. Yeah, yeah like it's sketchy as all get out, isn't it? Like, that's, that's really tough knowing that not only is it equal fight value, but you know, two thirds chance that you're losing the draw anyway. Yeah, really rough. And even. Your kings of men, your knights of the white tower, that they all clock out at fight five. So you've got average warriors who can walk up to the enemy's elite heroes and go, "You, I defeat you!" Yep. Aha. Now I find that people oftentimes with with elves, especially, talk about how can we, what can we do to improve them because they don't see them being what they expect. And I think a lot of it is they're not concentrating their attacks. When you go into a fight, if you've got a higher fight, you want to be ideally having at least two attacks in every fight. You don't want to be fighting one attack on one attack because that plays into the enemy's hands because the dice then gives you the least advantage for fight value. You get the most advantage when you have multiple dice. So lots of dice onto lots of dice. Well, ideally, lots of dice of you onto not many of theirs. The more dice you have, the, the more significant the advantage is for the fight value. The easiest way to think about it, if you throw an infinite amount of dice, the player with a higher fight value will win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, there's, a, there's a limit to it. And look, check out, once again, the maps calculator. I've done, done the, all the... This, this, try it with an infinite amount. Of, no, it doesn't actually come deal with an infinite number, but you can put in hundreds of dice if you want, and it will cope with that. Um, you can't actually physically get them into the single combat, so you can probably cap out at maybe 
something like 20 maximum or 16 would be your highest you would probably go to in a standard game if you got pikes and you're considering that then yeah. you can go up to 24 yeah but and, the, and you can put some heroes in the front and all kinds you can get more attacks but in the end it actually gets to the point where it doesn't make a significant difference anymore yeah, but the no. more dice you have if you have the higher five value your chance to win the combat just goes up and up and up and up and up and even even if you have less dice you always got a one in six chance of winning the combat at the at the worst yep, if you're high at five. At the very worst. At the yeah. very worst. And with this, with these guys, you're pretty much guaranteed that against I would say ninety percent of the models in the game. Notice that I said models, not warriors or heroes. Models. I noticed that everything. I really noticed that. I noticed that word. That was good wording. I like that wording. Good wording. And Absolutely on, models. Yeah. On, on the same note there, thinking about Gilgalad again, uh, rolling those three dice and w- basically winning automatically on a six, like every time, that's, those are really good odds throughout the course of a game. Especially yep. if he brings his banner, his elven horse, his pikeman. It's... Yeah, yeah. You get up to, what, six attacks with a spear. Yeah. Yep. Now, with Gilgalad, you've got no missile weapons at all. You've got no shooting. You've got a good shoot value, but you don't have any bows or any options yep, for no throwing option weapons right. or anything like that. So this is a model that, if you don't take the horse, he's actually quite susceptible to, to being avoided. I know that my main tactic against Gilgalad, it used to be a very, very popular model early on, was to make essentially a six-inch bubble around Gilgalad where just don't go near him. Don't go near him. It's a lot or harder to bubble if he's mounted on horse. Yeah, you can do it. And that's that's something that these big heroes, that tends to be their downfall because they just don't do enough if people are avoiding them. And I, we just, Kyle and I just played a game recently playing around with Bolg and similar idea, like the fight value was untouchable. But the problem was that, that he wasn't doing a whole lot because he was either in the wrong position because Kylie's troops that I wanted to get after avoiding him or just pinning me down with rubbish and, and slowing me down. There's also a limit to what Gilgalad can kill in terms of attacks, because yes, if if you get if he gets a charge off against infantry, you're getting a maximum of four kills. Still, that's a great amount. But if he gets say countercharged by one cavalry model, you pass your terror test, you get through his terror, which is great as well. Suddenly, he's only killing a maximum of three, and probably more likely killing two. Yeah. So there's a good chance he's missing that, and that's. For a, for something that's that's over 150 points, that can be a worry as well if you're not doing your work. So yep. Sometimes the best way to deal with a big, scary hero such as Gilgalad is not to outright kill him or avoid him. Sometimes the best way to deal with him is simply blunt his damage. Yep. Get a shieldman, bodyguard shieldman if you've got one. If not, just send enough shieldman, pin him. He's only got three points of might. He's only going to heroic combat three times. Long those heroic combats are contained pretty well. Like You've got shieldman to just catch him as he comes through. You can seriously blunt the damage he's doing. My favourite one these days is throwing a Defence 7 Captain into into characters like Gilgalad because the fight the Defence 7 means that even with the Spirits winning on 5s with multiple wounds and fate, you can really delay him just 2 or 3 turns and that can be enough for you to buy time for the rest of your army to do damage to the, the troops around Gilgalad and then eventually surround and overwhelm Gilgalad with sheer weight of numbers. Yeah, I even did the same thing with a Defence 5 Haradrim cap, uh, Chieftain and it did the exact same thing. It, it still worked. Like, I was a little bit lucky, but, you know, I'd strike up to try and get up to that 9 or 10, or I'd just hang on to my might if uh, he decided to counter-strike, which he did once for some reason. <laughs> he struck before I did, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to leave that's, that one alone. That's just poor. <laughs> that, that was a funny one. But, you know, that that happens. So, one thing I will say about that defense... Uh, sorry, the Fight 6 core that he gets, or, like, the entire Fight 6 army, possibly, which some people might decide to run... You do have to be able to play terrain really well. You have to remember that woodland creature rule, and you have to really um, focus on 
playing the terrain better than your opponent because you're probably going to be outnumbered. And I think that's where the higher fight really comes into it. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Woodland creature in woods, is that the one where cavalry can actually go through the woods as well? Does the horse get it? Yes. Yep. That's amazing. And you do you get a charge bonus in the woods as well? That's yes. Fine. That's so good. Yeah. That's so, really good. So Your glad's almost as good as Fimble. Yeah, oh, yeah, almost. <laughs> so the infantry hide in the are. woods. Gilgalad can flush him out. Yeah, that, that's because that's the yeah. standard anti cavalry tactic you go it for. Is, is, hide is in the woods. jump in the woods. Jump, can't go in the woods. Yeah. So now you need to look for rocky terrain and bits well, of outcrops, fences, yeah. walls. Yeah, fences and walls also work too. Mm. Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith. Sand dunes. Yeah, absolutely. Lots, lots of options there. So as a Gilgalad player, okay. So what you've put Gilgalad in your army, you've got the King's Guard upgrade, don't you? Yep. Who are you putting your King's Guard upgrade on? How many of the army are you putting it on? What do you think? The entire army. I have seen this no done. No questions asked. The entire army. I've seen this done a couple of different ways. Some people just put it on their spearmen because then they can put it where they need it because you don't always need fight six. Some people put it on key models like the banner bearers that they want protecting. Other people just go, how many points have I got left? I got eight points left. Eight of my guys become fight six. I do believe that most of the time you only need it on your spearmen or potentially a few archers. I don't think you necessarily want your front rank to have it, because you're going to lose a few of them, and I don't feel like you're going to need those two fight six models in every single fight. Because what you're going to be trying to do is shield walling, essentially, with that kind of army. But I do see the value of having it on every model where there is just absolutely no weakness in that army. There's nothing your opponent can focus down on. However, you've got to think... The shield and spear models, they do look like very sort of Kingsguard-ish sort of models. They are regal. They are imposing. Those, you can look at them and go, these guys would be fight six. I think the thing that sells me on having the entire army as fight six is I've fought against a lot of fell beasts in my time, and the highest fight value you can get on a fell beast is six. And the way I see it is, yeah... Sometimes you might not fight against any fight six or fight five in your opponent's army, but on the off chance you do, having that insurance that every single model in your army is fight six, so no matter where the fell beast goes, no matter where the fell beast charge, there is no way that they can try and manufacture a combat where they are one-on-one with one of your fight five models and then hurl it through your army. Unless the fell beast has some sort of way of lowering your fight value. <laughs> That's why you have the entire army. No, I'm thinking like, what Kylie's saying is put a spearman behind it. So if it if it gets into combat, it can choose to transfix the front model. But I then was, you've got another one there, and you're probably going to pass the terror test with elves reasonably well. I was more well. thinking about the compel. I was thinking compel way. as well. Like, yeah, compel. Somehow they're going to be able to... Like, they could just compel it, move it just out of spear contact, and... Yeah, but then again, we are burning will then on a ring race. Yeah, that's And true. that is always a win. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a way... Oh, look, I see, I see the point in that. And honestly, I probably would have just gone for... The, a warband of spears, perhaps, and done, done some modelling and, and differently. But I can see the advantage in it. It reminds me a bit of the conundrum I have when often I'm choosing models that have the option for spear and shield. And do you just go, just give them all spear and shield, and then let's not worry about formations. We're always got the, the right equipment. Or do you try and save a point here and there and try and get an extra model, and do you cut them down halfway? And in the end, what is it? Well, how many points is it to upgrade to a King's Guard? One? Two? One point. One point. So it's only the one point upgrade. So what you're doing is basically you're trading in 10 upgrades for one elf. Oh, so around about that. Mm-hmm. So in the end, do you want 10 extra models with fight six? And meaning that even fight five heroes are going to be scratching their hair out trying to trying to work out what to do against them. Or do you get that one extra elf? It's, 
it's pretty convincing to go for the upgrade, I think, for, for that cost. What are you going to have, 30 elves in your army, 35? Yes, uh, at 800, around 35 yeah. to 40, potentially. Actually, you can max out the entire army. You can take 39 elves, all of which are fight six, with Gilgalad being fight nine. Yeah, so 35 to 40. Yeah, okay, so yeah. so at maximum you're paying 40 points. Like, you're obviously not paying on the heroes. 40 points out of your 800 we've used as an example. So we're looking at, at what, 5% of your points to give everyone fight six across the board. That's that's one. It reminds me of the orc bow argument where people say, oh, you're not going to use them, you're not going to need them. That, But it's it's such a small percentage of your army for such a significant upgrade. And if you come up against Reavers, Hasharan, Knights of the White Tower... Um, any Rohan hero, Numenor captains, most evil horse. heroes. My favorite one is the fight six heroes, the big, you know, Aragorn. centerpiece. I need to carry the entire army model, yeah. such as Aragorn, Boromir. You suddenly, or even the twins, you suddenly put fights, entire fight six army in front of those models, and they suddenly go, We are now fighting the enemy army one on one. One third of our points is in this one single model that can't really do much because it's all fight six with open blades. That's my argument. It's the fact that it shuts down anything that's yeah. fight six, and it completely shuts down anything that's fight five. And I, just to play devil's advocate, on the other side of it, there's potential of increasing your breakpoint, and there could be one game in which that matters. Obviously, you can't really plan for that, but you know that is something that could make a difference. I and think, you know, you'll come up against an army that's all fight four or lower, and just go, "Well, it was could have had an extra model." Yeah. That's true. That's true. Sometimes you, you're literally throwing. 30 to 40 points at nothing because yeah. it doesn't affect you at all. Like if you're fighting a goblin army where they fight three heroes are big, but then you might come up against the cave, cave trolls, trolls, which yeah, are that's fight true. six. And Yeah, that's kind of my argument here is very rarely have I ever come across an army in a tournament that doesn't have at least one fight five or higher model in their army. I don't think I've ever in my entire gaming career come across an army that didn't have at least a fight five model in their army. Just period. I think it comes down to you've got your points to spend, if you're looking at your army list and go, I need an extra cavalryman or whatever. So then you you look at it and go, do I drop some elves? Do I drop some fight six? It comes down to where do you want your points? I think that's some amazing arguments there. I'm going to be going with the extra fight six. Yeah, interesting. I'm still going to I'm still gonna use it on a case-by-case basis because I think it's it's one of those gambles. And I think you can do okay with the fight six as well, especially on the spearmen. Like if I, if I wasn't going to put them in every model, I agree with the idea of spearmen because it well, makes sense. High elves often have shield on the spear, so you've got the high defense. They're also not taking as many wounds because they can fight in the back. You can reposition them later, so if you get charged, you can move them around and get the fight six where you need to. So, say a nasty fight five hero comes at you, you can throw a spear behind them. So, you, you just retain options. that fight six longer because yes. you're going to lose your front ranks without a yeah. doubt. And they do look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do. They do look cool. So that's how to fight with Gilgalad's army. Do we want to talk more about Gilglad? Well, what else are you going to say about that, his hero? That's the funny thing, isn't it? Like, what he—he's such a just a a mighty hero, but like, there's really nothing more that you can say about him than than most heroes. He's just like, even if you're talking about a captain, he's just a really, really big, strong captain model. Yeah. He doesn't have any special tricks. He's not doing anything particularly funky. He's just going in there and he's whacking stuff. Well, look, in the interest of, of potentially new players listening to this going, this is my first model I'm going to use, how do I use it? Basically, for these big heroes, hold on to their might as long as possible because their might is their ticket to stay alive. So as soon as they are out of might, what that means is you can you can actually go at them with other guys and you can take the striking hero chances and 
they they will eventually roll dice that aren't a six. You separate them off. They're throwing three dice. They're not always going to get the highest die roll, and you can get lots of models into them. So if you're a Gilgalad player, you've got that sort of mix between getting him into combat, doing as much damage as you possibly can, moving him around, but also also trying to make sure that you've kept him alive. You haven't thrown away all your might on heroic combats early on. You, you're definitely not wasting it on a strike. Don't do that. But um, just trying to make sure that, that there's a captain nearby to support him for the heroic moves if you need them, that someone else is using might. And sometimes you just have to say, no, you can use might and I won't, and I'm going to hold on to it and let's see what happens. So, yeah, it, it's the same as all those heroes. Three might is, is not infinite. Actually, you make a very good point there. I don't think you ever want to strike with Gilgalad. I think if you're striking yep. with Gilgalad, you've, you've done something wrong. Yeah. wrong Unless there. you're fighting a Balrog. That's probably the only exception where that would come in. Even against Sauron, I wouldn't even bother striking. I would just go at him with the fight nine and take the roll off, hoping that you have an Elven Blade in there to... If he strikes, though, I mean... Yeah, but then it's, it's he's the same... blowing a might, and it's... Yeah, it's the same sort of thing if there's anything you can't... Like a, a dragon or something, and they strike, it's like... If you want to draw it, probably. <laughs> Those are the only instances, though, where it's a very... It's another very high fight value model that is striking already, I think. In those cases, you'd look at it and go, can Gilgalad survive this attack? There's no point holding yeah. onto your might if you cannot survive if you lose the fight. Yeah. So if there's a dragon or whatever, then maybe, yes, if they have striked, you would. But, but case honestly, by case. if you're going up against something like a Balrog, why aren't you just targeting the rest of the army and separating it off, and then when you've got nothing else to do, go kill uh, the Balrog? Hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's one of those, like, maybe it's a scenario, because the elves yeah. used to like hunting Balrogs and things. But sure. it, it's one of those ones where you make the person who takes the Balrog make them work for the kills of the Balrog, don't give them Gilgalad, because that suddenly means that they can actually get their, their money's worth. Because mm, if they take yeah. out Gilgalad with a Balrog, deal, that's fine. So you don't give them that option, because yeah, if you still, if you're spending your one point of might to throw it up, why not be doing that with a normal captain? Go go an elf captain, spend the heroic strike on them and go out with waves of waves of two-handed elves, and then mm-hmm. use Gilgalad to wipe up the rest of them, go hunt shamans or whatever. Especially because Gilgalad is usually going to be your army leader and has points sitting on his head. So yeah, your opponent yeah. killing him is a big deal. Uh, in, in this case, I'm only talking, talking about a hypothetical situation where it's already occurred that you're in the combat by whatever means. I would also say this is good advice when hunting Gilgalad. You're not going to be able to kill him until you can burn his resources and focus down on him. So kill, kill his support first, then go after him. I think as well as that, that also can become extremely difficult because if he's on foot, and he has a shield. He is fight nine with a shield, which means he can shield for six dice, which is incredibly annoying to get through. And I think unless you've got a model in your army that can not just bypass the fight, but just completely make him helpless, such as a, um, I'm trying to remember the name of him, a Barrowite or something like that, that does really high impact damage for little ability to resist. I don't think it's worth going after Gilgalad in that such a way because it's so easy for him to push back waves and waves of guys. Like, even if you transfix him to attack, shielding. That's that's a great point, actually. There are... I don't think I've ever used a heroic transfix. I would definitely consider it for Gilgalad. Yeah, I agree. A channel transfix would be extraordinarily useful in this regard, and I think this would be one of the few models you would have a crack at it with. Yeah. I think you've just explained the best way to get rid of Gilgalad. If you need to get Gilgalad off the table, you better have designed your army, especially an evil army, with enough magic, so probably multiple magic users, to go and take out a hero, and then enough troops to be able to get through Mm. the the terror, 
and the fight seven. So you and the defense eight as well. Sorry, not the fight, sorry, seven, fight uh, defense seven. Defense seven, defense eight. Defense eight. Yes. Yeah. So, so you're looking at like a, an Urukai take army, berserker armies, maybe with Saruman supporting, and and you wear down his will, and then go up with a big transfix or a multiple wraith army with some some Axie guys and maybe orcs backed up by a shaman, something like that to really go after him. Even then, you're probably putting more points into killing him than you are with Gilgalad. So uh, watch out if you're a Gilgalad player. If someone's coming at you with three magic users, maybe play a little bit conservative Gilgalad and make them run and chase him around the board. And when they do get that transfix off, hopefully you're just against a single orc or something else and it's not doing any damage. A lot of the time, if I'm throwing magic at Gilgalad, it's not to kill him, it's to slow him down. So that's when I'd settle for a regular transfix. He's still probably going to win the fight, but he's at least not slaughtering my men in job lots. Yes. Yeah, I think the best way to describe dealing with a hero like Google Ad is first avoid him. If you can't avoid him, blunt his damage, slow him down. If you can't blunt his damage, slow him down, go for the Hail Mary. Yep, go yep. all in on it. Yeah. And really put the pressure on the rest of the army because yeah. a lot of times those heroes, the only downfall is they try to do too much. Mm-hmm. So they go, oh, we're behind on kills. I'll call a heroic combat. And then I'll call another heroic combat. Oh, I've got no might left now. Uh-oh, I didn't roll higher than a four in combat. Now I'm in trouble. Yeah, and actually he's on that as well. Even in, if your Hail Mary doesn't work, put pressure on the, on the table, put pressure on the objectives, go after other things, force him to move. Kill his spearmen, kill his banners, kill anything that's supporting him, break the army. He's probably not going to care because he's Courage 7 with 12-inch standfast, but try and end the game and get objectives. Uh, okay. So, I think we've said everything there is to say about Gilgalad. Uh, what do you think? Let's give him a score out of 10. What do you reckon, David? This is the High King of the Elves. He is fight value 9. He gets a score of 9 out of 10. Kyle? Solid. Yeah. Uh, 9.3. 9.3. Yep. 9.3. Fight value is 9 by 3. Excellent. Very nice. Look, Gilgalad's one of these characters that I haven't taken a lot of when I played High Elves, mainly because the FAQ, I'm not sure when they came out, but... I think there's been a significant change in souped-up Gilgalad with the basically the 20 points of war gear that make him an incredible character. From Gilgalad, the high fight, easily avoidable walking on foot guy. So I think I'm going to give two scores. I'm going to give a 7 out of 10 for the old version, and I'm going to give a 9 out of 10 for the second version. Yeah, I'm also going to give a 9. I think he's just a really so- solid character, and he fits well pretty much into any elf army, and you can really base it around him. And he gets his own song, so that's always worth bonus points. That is points. true, that is true. But but the one fate, and that any time you see Sarah on the board, you're guaranteed to die, that worries me. Yeah, that is a concern. True, yeah. but as long as you can do Can't some damage ready. first. Do they still do, is it all the characters that died cop one fate? Is that the... the Something thing? like that. Sort of. Sort of, okay. In quotation marks, because Thorin died, he's got three fate. Oh, that's true. Boromir's got either zero or three. Depending on Ooh, which time yeah. you get him. Yeah. I believe it's a rule of thumb, but it's more what you'd call guidelines rather than actual yeah. rules. Same with yeah. Theoden. He has two fate for some reason, even though he died horribly to the Witch King. And no will, even though he was of strong mind, except for when he yeah. wasn't. Very strange. Yeah, the okay. The Witch King must have stolen all his will. And even that one fate isn't always hardline because you look at Harmer and Theodrid and they've got zip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, fair enough. No, that was a good answer for that question, because I feel like early on that was the way they did it. Like, if a model died in the story or a character died in the story, it's, yeah, let's give them less fate and and try and force it. Another one? Yeah, Mm. they're more guidelines. More guidelines. Okay, thank you for that. All right, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and remember, traps win games. Gilgalad was an elven king. Of him the harpers sadly sing. The last whose realm was fair and free. Between the mountains and the sea, 
His sword was long, his lance was keen, his shining helm afar was seen. The countless stars of heaven's field were mirrored in his silver shield. But Gilgalad he rode away, and where he dwelt none can say, for into darkness fell his star in Mordor where shadows are. The nice. following verses were never translated into the common tongue. <laughs> Put that in. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.